everybody doing this morning? Anybody tired? Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a little tired. I'm, I'm a little exhausted. Uh, I love my sleep way too much. Um, and sometimes when I don't get a lot of sleep, I just get cranky. Anybody like that? You just get grumpy. You don't want to be around. My wife was like, you know, for Father's Day today, how about you just have a nap? I mean, she literally said that. You know, the, you know, the kids would go play golfing with their grandpa. You just, you just, you just get better. All right? You, you get back to yourself. Get back to your senses as far as that goes. But it's been a great week. It's been an awesome week. I hope that you've had an opportunity to meet with God the Father this week. I hope that you've taken time in your busy life, amen, in your busy life to meet uh, with God uh, this morning. We're going to continue our series that we will, um, we're going to finish up next week. Uh, next week I'm really excited. We're going to have some, uh, some guest missionaries who have spent the last 15 years working in a closed countries in the Middle East, and they have seen it all. Uh, we're going to be talking specifically about the persecuted church. We're going to hear personal testimonies, and it's just going to be an awesome time next week, so I encourage you. Uh, to be here uh, next week, but this morning we're gonna we're gonna look at a very uh, it's an important passage, but it's a passage that many of us know. Uh, but let's be honest, even for myself, sometimes this passage scares me, and it's gonna scare you as well this morning. It's it's the, it's it's the great commission. I know over the years I've, I've had an opportunity to preach this message uh, or this particular passage. You know, I've always had people say, you know what, I am scared to death to be obedient to the great commission. Because I'm, I'm fearful that if I give my life wholeheartedly to God, that he might take me to a hut in Africa. Anybody thought that before? I mean, honestly, that, that, is, that is a fear of ours. If I wholeheartedly give my life to Christ and I say, I want you to move however you want to, I am so scared that he's going to say, I want you to sell that house, that car, I want you to quit your jobs, and I want you to go to Timbuktu. I know growing up it scared me to death. God has always impressed on my heart a, a, a form of... Love for the nations. I don't know what that looked like for me, but as I got older and as I got into my 20s, it was, it was something that it was impressed in my heart that I felt like I needed to go. And maybe this morning for the very first time, God is going to speak to you. And out of trembling and fear that you might say, I, I feel like God is calling me to go. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I feel the urge. I feel like God is speaking to me in such a big way that I want to stand before these people here this morning and say, I feel like God's calling me. I feel like God's calling me to go. If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 16. I want to give you some quick backdrop here. This takes place after the resurrection. Jesus was on the earth for about 40 days. He revealed himself. He revealed uh, the power, the authority that he had to overcome death. And during this time, he, he is going to almost uh, five, 600 people and revealing that, yes, he did rise from the dead. And during this time here, the set of the scene is, is, is the disciples were very fearful. Because they had spent the last three years devoting themselves to the one who says he's the son of God. And the next thing that he knows, he's being crucified on the cross and put in a grave. So you can just imagine the desperation that these men are feeling here. And yes, Jesus said that he was going to rise from the dead. But just like you and I, sometimes we, we doubt that. And these men were in that setting right now, and, and they were very fearful. And I love how Jesus takes time out to reveal himself 
to pursue himself to these men during this time and bring comfort to them, but not just bring comfort, but to give them a purpose. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 28. Uh, we're going to read this together. We're going to uh, take some time just to break it down. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you pray with me once again? Father, we come before you. Lord, please humble me right now, God. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak to us. God, I pray the words that come out of my mouth will be words from you that would edify the body, that would encourage us, that would challenge us, and that would make us more like you. So, God, we welcome you uh, into this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this story on so many levels because if you look at verse 16, it reminds me of my life many times that I like to try to listen to God in the midst of a traffic jam. You know what I'm talking about when life gets that way? Anybody do well in traffic jams? Does that, does that, does that fire anybody up at all? Are you one of those guys? I mean, you're, I mean you're, really, you're, you're willing to throw down because that person just cut you off for the second time, all right? And it's like, we're going nowhere. Why are you trying to cut over? All right? We went through that yesterday at kids camp, you know, kind of the, it takes forever. Everybody go to one lane. And, you know, you do get a little fired up. It tests you a little bit. All right? It's like, come on, we're in a church van here. Let me over. All right? I actually said that vocally. Um, I really did. Um, but I love this. I feel like the disciples are kind of in a, in a traffic jam. They're fearful. They're, 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 their senses are heightened. They're It's hard to hear from God in those moments, isn't it? It's easy to fight in those moments. It's easy to get upset and it's easy to get aggravated in those moments, but it's hard to hear from God in those moments. And I love this because right in the midst of this, Jesus calls the disciples out of that. It's like they finally get out of the construction zone, all right? There's four lanes. I want to call you out. I want, to, I want to call you to a place that's very familiar to you, which is by the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did his ministry time and time again, where Jesus called the disciples, many of them being fishermen. We know the stories, many of them left it all to be disciples of Jesus, and they surrendered their lives before God, and, they, and he calls them to a place that's very familiar to them. I believe many of us this morning, we're in a traffic jam, and we are wondering why we cannot hear God's voice. I know that's true because I've heard it from many of us, even this week. And so Jesus calls them out. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Verse 17, I love this here. It says, when they saw Jesus. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some 
doubted. They worship him, but some doubted. You see, there's going to be people that you run into every single day when you go and when you share the good news. And as we talk about what this looks like here in just a minute, there are going to be many who doubt what you say. And those moments are going to be incredibly discouraging many times. And many times we let that discouragement be the fuel that fires us in a way where we don't want to do that again. We don't want to put ourselves in that situation again. But Jesus calls the disciples out to a place of familiarity to them so that he can speak to them. You see, for me, it speaks volumes that these men who knew Jesus best would worship him. These men had spent the last three years of their life, and the first thing they do is they worship him. For those who know me well know that I am in no danger of you worshiping me. I can promise you that. You're like, amen to that. But these men had spent every single day, they had followed Jesus. They had seen him raise people from the dead. They had seen him feed the 5,000. They had seen all of these things. And at the end of the day, their, their faith was a little shaky. Maybe this morning your faith is a little shaky because life has not turned out the way it should be supposedly or, or things have happened in your life that have shaken your faith. Maybe you're dealing with cancer. Maybe you're battling with a sickness. Maybe you've lost a love with it. And we're in that moment of, of fear and doubt I want you to know even this morning that God is calling you. It's like I'm at kids camp again. We'll do the actions. God is, I love this, God is calling you. He's calling you because he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to work in and through our lives. And that's exactly what Jesus is, is doing here for his disciples. He's, he's calling them out so that he can give them purpose, that he can bring healing to their lives. He can bring encouragement and hope into their lives because he knows them so deeply. He knows where they are. He knows that they're fearful. He knows that they're discouraged. He knows that they have lost hope, so to speak, in this situation. He says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You see, all of these men, they were Jews. And the first two commandments that many of them know is they should not serve any other God but the one true God. And I love this because this gives validity that Jesus is the Son of God here because these men, they, they, they knew the commandments, they knew the Old Testament, they knew that they were only to worship the one true God. And in this moment, Jesus in the flesh stands before them and they bow and they worship him. Why did they do that? Because they knew that he was the one true God, that he was God in the flesh in that moment. And so they were compelled because of their love for him that they, they bowed and they worshiped him. When's the last time? When is the last time you have an had an encounter with Jesus that brought you to your knees. For me, it was Thursday. And you, know, and you know the cool thing about that? That was brought on by like nine-year-olds. 
trying to tell me God can't use and work in the midst of anyone's life? I mean, some of those kids brought me to my knees that I almost cried myself to sleep. God, that I would have a heart like these young kids. So many times I want to figure it out. I want to have all the answers. And Jesus says, where's that childlike faith? Where'd that go? Maybe because you're in the traffic jam and you haven't heard me in a long time. And I'm calling you out of that so I can speak into your lives. I can encourage you. I can challenge you. I can give you purpose. I can give you meaning. Verse 18, it says, And Jesus, remember some who doubted, and Jesus came up and he spoke to them. You see, their doubts, he didn't, he didn't criticize. Come on, guys. Like, what's going on here? I mean, I've, I've told you 30 times. That would, that would be me. <laughs> and Jesus came and he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Over the years, I've had an opportunity uh, to perform weddings. I know many of you have performed weddings, and I've even had the opportunity of being blessed to be part of some of you even here this morning to do your weddings. Um, years ago, before I was in the ministry and I was in college, one of my good, my best friends, he got married. And he asked another one of my friends who was, I was surprised that he asked him because the guy was kind of crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? But he had, his, he had his license to perform the weddings, and he was a good guy. Don't get me wrong. He was just one of those crazy guys. And anyway, long story short, it was in another state, and all right? He didn't do his homework. And so he goes, and he performs the wedding, and about three days later, they find out that it wasn't legit because he didn't have the authority to do a wedding in that state. All right? And this is a true story. Of course, it was kind of funny a little bit as well, you know. But the wife didn't think it was funny at all. And the reason it wasn't legit because he did not have authority to perform that in that setting. You see, you have to go and you have to go through the right proper channels and those types of things. I love this because when Jesus gives this command, when he gives the great, the great commission, it comes with validity because he has the authority. If I was to go and try to, try, try to stop traffic, you know, in my, my 2007 sweet Kia Optima, I mean, it's got dents. It is, it is a sweet piece of ride, all right? If I was to go in the, in the interstate and, and drive that thing and kind of sidewind it there and try to stop traffic, I'm going to get run over. I, I mean, I just am. I don't have the authority and people don't care. I'm a lunatic at that point. Now, some of you are officers here this morning. You get in your car, you turn your lights on, you do the same thing, people are going to stop. Why? Because you have the authority. You have the authority to do that. And when Jesus is speaking, this is so important here, because this is not just a command, you know, hey, if you want to do it, do it. You know, I know it sounds good if you want to. No, it, Jesus comes with authority, and he speaks to his disciples. And he says, oh, by the way, my Father has given me the authority here on earth and in heaven. And so I'm not just saying these things just to say them. I'm voicing what my father has told me to say. And I come with authority. That's so important to know this. Because 
of authority, the authority that Jesus has, he gives this command. Verse 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, actually the original Greek says, as you are going. It's not like, you know, go kind of if you want to, you know, go when you want. As you are going, as if Jesus says, you know, I, I'm expecting you to obey the commands that I'm giving here. As you are going, go and make disciples. Does that scare anybody? I don't need you to raise your hand. Does that, does that make you a little fearful, honestly? I've been there before, no doubt about it. I don't have the training. I don't have the know-how. What if somebody asks me something that I don't know? God's not calling me. You see, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling me to be a part of going and sharing the good news to those throughout all the world. How do they make disciples? Well, first and foremost is that salvation must take place. Repentance of sin must take place in the life of those people who hear the good news, who surrender their lives before him, who understand that their sin separates them from God, and knowing that Jesus is the only one who can bridge the gap so that we can have a relationship with the Father, that, that must take place. There must be the time of repentance in someone's life. And then Jesus goes on and says, you know, they need to be baptized. Maybe this morning you've never walked in obedience of baptism. It's an incredible thing that you and I get to do as Christ followers because it displays what Jesus has already done in our lives. In China, where the gospel message is not openly shared, very much government controlled, in that town when someone surrenders their life to Christ... Now, hear me out. It's not as big a deal when they do that because it hadn't been made public yet. They celebrate more so over baptism than they do when someone gives their life to Christ because what happens is when someone gives their life to Christ, usually it's a very personal thing, and they can kind of hide that. That's a huge deal. But when someone gets baptized, they are outwardly coming out for all to see. I have made a decision to give my life to Christ, and that is a huge deal because everyone knows now. Now they've opened the door for persecution, which we'll talk more about next week. Now they've opened the door for everyone to know that I am a child of God. Yes, it is a personal relationship that you and I must make for ourselves, but it should not be personal. Everyone around us should know. It's a great mission. They were to make disciples. They were to baptize them. And then they were to teach them. This is where we struggle a little bit. 
This is where I struggle a little bit. And I love when people make a decision to follow after Jesus. And I love when, when people make a decision to, to walk in obedience through baptism. But it's a little more difficult to walk someone through teaching them what it looks like to be a child of God. You see, many of us have known God for a really long time. But many of us are still really babes in Christ. Because we've made that decision, but we haven't spent the time to teach and to obey and, and be trained up to be disciples. And i got to be honest with you, this church needs to do a better job. And I know that starts with me. And I apologize to you that we have not done a better job. Because this is so important, because I think so many times we have... We have baby Christians all over the place that have known God for so long and we wonder why they stop coming to church. We wonder why there's so many things that takes place because it's so easy to walk away from something where it doesn't have that much meaning. Let me tell you something. If you know Jesus Christ and if you know him well, one, you want to worship him and then two, you will never leave that. You will never walk away from that because it's all that you have. You know that it's an integral part of every relationship that you have. So Jesus calls these men out. He speaks with authority. Great is this mission that he has given them to go and preach the good news. Also great is its purpose. It says to go to all Nations. What does all nations mean? It means all nations. And you see, this is a command that God has given each of us who have given our lives to him. And I know some of you right now might stand and say, no, 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 no. It's only for the chosen few. It's only for those who actually get money for doing what those things do and all of those things. Here's the thing. I understand that not everyone can go. I get that. For physical reasons and, and financial reasons and those types of things. But I, I believe with all my heart we can all be a part of reaching the nations. And I am so thankful to be a part of a church who takes it seriously. Because I can look around the room and see... A huge amount of you have said, I will go, and you have gone. But I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe God is speaking to you, and maybe even right now you're a little nervous. Your palms are getting a little sweaty, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're gripping your chair, and you feel like God is impressing on your heart. You know, he's been speaking to me for a long time, that I need to go. And I haven't. I'm going to give you a chance here in just a moment. Just to stand and say, you know what, I feel like God is calling me to go. I don't know what that looks like. But if it means going to Timbuktu, if it means going to Africa in a mud hut and taking my whole family, Jesus is worth it. Because here's the thing, God wants all of us. He wants every single part of our lives. And what happens so many times with me, I, I want to hold on to things and say, God, you can have all of this. But man, don't look in that room. No, no, that's off limits. Jesus says to go. 
and to all the nations. And here's, here's the cool thing. Here's where we're going to end. Jesus gives us a promise. He doesn't say go and good luck. Because I've got to be honest, I'm not going. <laughs> There's times where I've, I've done things that I've, I can't believe how God worked in a miraculous way, but without the power of Jesus going before us and going with us, man, I, I, I don't want a part of that. But I love his promise. Here, let's keep looking here. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Look at this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, this is the same promise that he gave Moses. It's the same promise that he gave Joshua. Man, I, I will go before you. Yes, I'm asking you to do something that's out of your comfort zone. Yes, I'm asking you to do something that maybe that you would normally not do, but I'm asking you, and here's the thing. I'll, I promise you that if you would step out of the boat as Peter did and experience me like you never have before, I will be right there with you. I will be right there with you. There's a story of a man by the name of David Livingston. He spent many, many years in the African continent. And it says that he got about 37 different viruses and sicknesses. He literally, listen to this, he got mauled by a lion. Anybody want to go to Africa? Alright? You're like, Brandon, you're not, you're not helping, man. He literally got mauled by a lion. Like his, his, his arm is limp for the rest of his life. And he, and he comes back home and he's, he's speaking to some students in Scotland. Specifically Glasgow University. And, and they're, they're talking about what does it look like to follow Jesus unconditionally. And he was honest. He said, man, it's, it's, it's difficult. He said, I, I'm not going to lie to you, it's difficult. I've been in the hospital so many times, I've gotten malaria, I'm not going to name any names. All of these things have taken place. I've even gotten mauled by a lion, i got proof here, I can't even use my left arm. And they're like, man, how? How? And you see, some of you this morning are like, man, how? How, how, do, you, how do you get your life to that point that you're willing to surrender it all? Next week, we're going to hear stories about men and women who have literally given their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, who have been murdered for their faith, who have been thrown in prison for their faith. And I ask those questions sometimes, too. And many times I pray, God, if I'm ever in that situation, I don't, I don't know what I would do. But David Livingston goes on and he says, let me tell you what got me through. He said, turn your Bibles to Matthew 28, verse 20. And he read that verse. And I'll read it for you once again. He said, and surely I am with you always. He said, I never would have made it. He goes, that first sickness, he goes, I wanted to leave. But the call and the command of God was so strong on my life, and the Spirit was working so strong in my life, I knew if I left this, I would regret that decision for the rest of my life. I'm going to ask Wesley to come up. I want to share just a personal story with you as we close our time together. Um, 
I was 22 years old. I've probably shared this story before. My wife says I share them all the time. All right. Um, I think it is applicable. Maybe not. Um, went to college. Um, very much wanting to make a name for me. Didn't really know what I want to do in my life. Kind of got an easy degree. Anybody been there before? Kind of regret my degree, honestly. Um, I remember when I was a child, man, at missions, international missions, the nations, people groups. Think of revelations, you know, when all people will come together and praise Jesus. Buddhists, Muslims, atheists, people who are separated from God, who need a Savior, and that's Jesus. God started speaking to my life, and I just, I I knew Jesus was calling me to go. I was willing. My parents did not want me to go. I remember having a conversation with them and saying, you know what, I, I feel so strongly I don't know what it looks like, but I feel like God is telling me to go. So if it's so strong, I want you to pray about it because I believe that God doesn't take us in different directions. I know as a dad, I get that. You know, like I want to protect my God. That's, that's where that came from. And it wasn't that they didn't want me to go. They were just fearful for me. I used to be okay at sports. And I felt like God wanted to use sports as a platform to share the good news. And he opened the door for me to go um, to the Middle East. Listen, I've never been on a mission trip before, ever. Never. I think I went vacation to Cancun one time. Yeah, that's a real international experience, isn't it? And so uh, a job opportunity opened up in the Middle East. Just happened, you know, I was going for training, and here comes 9-11, you know, to add to the fuel. Don't need to replay that particularly everyone was just fearful hatred towards those people but it was through that that God started just to continue to break my heart because those people are those people that I created those people are the ones that I love dearly just like I love you And Jesus says, I choose you to go and you get to be my hands and feet of those who don't know me. And that impacted my life. So I get on a plane and I go. And I'm just going to be honest. It was the hardest, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I'm waking up at night crying. Don't ever call your mom in the middle of the night crying, okay? I'm just telling you that. And she was in panic mode. Panic mode. Things did not work out the way that they should have. I'm going to end this story because I have regrets from that in my life. You know how God can take something messy and make something beautiful out of it? Rather than taking Matthew 28, 20 to heart and saying, you know what, no, God has called me to this. I know it's difficult, and I know it's not what it's supposed to be or what I thought it was going to be, but I want to be steadfast. I want to be obedient. 
I'm sharing this out of personal experience. I bailed. And it's not something that God wants me to hunt over or not something, but it, but it is something in my life that I know I should have stayed. And God worked it out. Here's the thing. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And there's going to be times where you bail. <laughs> You're going to be just like me. You bail when that calling was so strong. And I, I do, I, I do regret that. And I promise God that that will never happen again. But even in the midst of that, God works. And maybe that's where you are. You've bailed many times. You are me. But God wants to still work in and through your lives. And he can take that difficult situation. He can take your regrets, your poor decisions, your disobedience. And he can make something beautiful to build his kingdom. So here's what we're going to do to close. Maybe this morning, God is just, man, he is speaking to you heavy. And you feel like you just need to let someone know that I feel like God's calling me. I feel like God is calling me to be obedient, to be open, to possibly taking the good news to all the nations. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm not asking you to have a plan of action. I'm just... To give you an opportunity, I I just surrender my life. That if God chooses to use me there, there, wherever, I want to be obedient. So if that's you this morning, just just stand up right now. I I know this is difficult. I know this is hard. But if that's you, I want you to stand. I know many of you are already there. They're like, man, I'll go anywhere. I'm going to give those slow pokes just another second, all right? spoken to some of you before, some of you I'm pretty excited that you're standing right now. Some of you I'm shocked you're standing right now, honestly, which is awesome. But I believe that God can do anything that he wants to do in your life. If you and I are just willing to just lay it down and just be open to the leading of God in our life. Here's what I want to do. I I want to pray specifically for those of you standing. I know that most of you have no idea. You just feel like God is calling you and you don't know what that looks like. And actually thinking about it, you're wanting to sit back down right now.
But if everyone else would just stand and just kind of gather around those who are standing, um, you might not know them totally okay. Um, if you would just surround them, we're just going to, I'm going to allow you to pray just for a moment, just for God's leading, just obedience in their lives. And then I'm going to pray for us, and we got a couple of announcements, and then we'll let you get out of here. But let's just take just a moment. If you would just surround those that God is just really speaking to and challenging this morning. So I want to give you just a moment, church family, just to pray over those you're around. All right, let's do that, and I'll pray for us. So. Luke chapter 10, verse 2 says this. This is what we're about to do. It says, the harvest is plentiful. What that means is there are so many people, millions and millions and millions of people who, for many of them, don't understand who Jesus is. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in to the harvest. Here's what Jesus is saying. There's people out there who need to hear Jesus, and I need my workers to go. So he says, seek my Father so that I will work in the lives of my people so that more people will go and be obedient to the commands of Jesus here in Matthew 28. Let's pray together. Lord, we trust your word. Lord, we know that your word has the power to change lives. We know that your word has the power to work in and through our lives that we can make choices and decisions that might seem crazy to the world. Lord, we live in a place, we live in a town, a city, a country, a world who desperately needs a revival of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we are starting to see the effects of the church not standing in the gap, not being obedient to your word. And God, I pray if you want to use us, God, my prayer is, is that each of us would say, God, here I am. Lord, send me. Father, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that you would break our hearts for the lostness, not only of those around us, Lord, as your word says in Acts 1-8, that we should go here and there and all around the world preaching the good news of who Jesus Christ is. To see men and women go from death to life and to eternity, Father. Lord, may we be excited about this. Maybe it's something that we dream about, Lord, that, that drives us to go, Father. 
Lord, you have called so many, and so many have God, even out of this congregation right here, God. But, Lord, you're calling more. And, God, I pray, Lord, that we would act in obedience, Lord. I pray that we would, we would pray over this, that we would talk about it with other believers, Father, that we would encourage one another, that we would challenge one another, Lord, as we go and share the good news to all the nations. Father, thank you for what you've done this morning. Lord, may it just not be a time, God. May it be something that's on our hearts and our minds. And Lord, that we will be obedient and that we will act on that obedience. God, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen.